0: And welcome to Counterculture, I'm Peter Whittle. Now, before we talk about this week's subject, uh, just a reminder, please do subscribe, won't you? Uh, It's very simple, it's free. Uh, You just go to the subscribe button on our channel and then next door to it there's a a bell sign and if you click on that you get notifications of all our shows as they come up. So uh, please do, we're on 110,000 subscribers now and 12 million views nearly. Uh, But please do add to that, won't you? Um, Now, the subject uh, this week we're talking about is one that many viewers of our channel have asked for for a long time. Um, Demographics. You might uh, have already had through this letter recently. It's from the government. It's the Census 2021. Obviously, every 10 years. The last one was in uh, 2011. Uh, This will tell us a lot about the makeup of Britain uh, when the results come out later this year or early next year. But what actually is the effect of demographics on cultural makeup of the country and also its political makeup? What are the overall effects? What is the lookout for Britain and Europe in particular uh, with changing demographics? And, you know, should we care about this? I know that a lot of you care about is. To discuss these issues I'm very pleased we have somebody who is a pioneer in this particular area and that is David Coleman who is Professor of Demography at Oxford University. Also Eric Kaufman who is Professor of Politics at Birkbeck College, the author of numerous books including White Shift that he came onto the channel and talked to us about some time ago and Emma Webb uh, from the Civitas think tank, um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, can I start by asking you, David? Do you think I said there that you know many of our viewers say, "When are you going to talk about demographics?" Do, do, do you think this is an untouchable area in the what you might call the popular mainstream?
1: I don't think it is. Uh, there's enough um, chat about it. Uh, around, around the edges of it and uh, and even more cent- centrally uh, to say that it, it, it's um, it, it's not untouchable. It is difficult. Um, those in academic life who who, who speak about it uh, in anything other than, 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 than uh, um, with, with bended knee, as it were, um, tend to get uh, a lot of flack. Uh, I've had a lot of flack. I imagine Eric must have had quite a bit of flack <laughs> as well. Perhaps he can right. tell, us, tell us about his... Uh, his wartime experiences in a moment. Um, uh, I've had petitions uh, against me, which which failed, uh, and were not, not actually in, in my university taken very seriously. I think, but, um, but what would I you... suspect it's done me some harm in, in terms of of of, uh, of of preferment. And I know that one or two academics, uh, 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 certainly one in America, <laughs> refused to appear in, in any program, which. Uh, uh, which which f- featured me, uh, and this is a respectful academic, not some blooming.
0: But when you say, I mean, th- th- when you say, unless you talk about this on bended knee, uh, what what would bended knee be then?
1: Oh, what, what, what I mean is um, um, uh, avoiding, or certainly tiptoeing around uh, any kind of um, critical comment or comment that might be regarded as critical. Um, about the the consequences of of, of, uh, of ethnic change, uh, about the um, average behavior of any uh, of any ethnic group, if it's possible to speak about average behavior, um, uh, about uh, the reputation of, of different uh, ethnic groups, about specific problems like to do with integration, to do with with uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, with, with, with alleged uh, higher levels of crime. Um, to do with, as as we know, um, problems of, of attitudes towards women and girls, particularly um, uh, um, poor white girls, as we saw in these uh, these uh, uh, scandals in in Rochdale and uh, uh, and elsewhere, um, um, which were covered up wholly or in part in order to avoid giving offence uh, and, and possibly to avoid um, the the authors of the reports. Uh, a very bad reputation of being racist um the, the, the term the term the accusation racist has until recently and perhaps even still more or less trumped uh, any any kind of argument of a, of a more rational kind sometimes the accusation is justified very often it's not uh, but it serves to shut down discussion
0: yes um Eric, you know, when you wrote White Shift, uh, which was actually just looking, so far as I, I could see from it, it was actually looking at it in a very, very clear and objective way about the differences and what was uh, going to occur for white majority countries as they stand now. Uh, what was the reaction, therefore, to your book amongst uh, your peers amongst the, in the academic world? Was it one of censure?
2: Well, well, I think when, when you write a book that's you know got six hundred pages in it, that gives you a bit of protection. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, I think that I mean broadly, I was pleased with the media response, including the sort of central, you know, the, the center ground, uh, even things like the Literary Review and the FT and the Los Angeles Review of Books. And that. So, so, but it was the you know the, the, it was places like the Guardian and Vox where you get this sort of knee jerk reaction. How can you say anything that's nice about uh, something like white identity or about the desire to slow down ethnic change? How can that be seen as anything other than absolutely horrendous? Um, So yeah, you did get that response. Uh, But I mean, one of the, I was, so for example, I was on Ezra Klein's show, which which is a sort of uh, quite a long form radio program. And I have to say I was reasonably pleased with the the, the tenor of the questions. Mm. Uh, But I think here in Britain, with the Guardian review, and and there were some, uh, the the, uh, uh, London review of books, you know, there were some attack pieces, but I think that's to be expected whenever, as as David said, whenever you touch this subject of ethnic change in a way that's not sort of approved, you'll get it from that section of what I call the left modernists, uh, you know, the cultural left will go after you.
0: I think actually, uh, Eric, you have made the point that in fact, the left, broadly speaking, always welcome the idea of ethnic change because it sort of very much aids and abets their belief in social transformation. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah, it's a particular strand which is the modernist left, the cultural left. So it's, it's, it's distinct from the old left, which might even be the old labor, working class left which traditionally has been, for example, wanted restricted immigration. In the U.S., the biggest immigration restrictionist lobbies were, like, the American Federation of Labor, the Knights of Labor, you know, some of these workers' uh, organizations. Um, And that, but that's kind of really changed starting mid-20th century. The leadership of the unions really began to be drawn into the new left, the sort of cultural turn of the left, away from class towards identity categories has really taken taken hold in in organizations even those that are supposed to be representing the working class so uh, the left now is defined in as as the labor Party as the Democrats in the u.s they're increasingly defined by uh, what Rob Ford would call identity liberals metropolitan university towns uh, who are concerned with these identity categories and with offenses or the purported offending of these categories uh, and stretching the meaning of terms like racism and transphobia and so on. So that's really where the left increasingly is intellectually. And and so that so they are going to be very hostile to anything that is not completely right on in terms of being on board with cosmopolitanism and ethnic change.
0: Do you think, Ashir, that uh, it's actually interesting what Eric says there, because in a way you'd think that with the kind of incredible preponderance now of identity politics in everything uh actually people would speak about this quite a lot you you you, do you see what i mean that you would think that they actually wouldn't shy away but in Mm -hmm. fact obviously they are
3: yeah i think it's it's a bit the way i'm going to phrase this is a bit too shallow and doesn't really doesn't really describe it well enough. But I think that there is a sort of double standard and people like James Lindsay have pointed to um, Marcuse's ideas about repressive tolerance, mm-hmm. um, the idea that um, certain things um, that are not, as I think um, Eric would, would call the, the new left or left modernism, that anything that isn't that is just not simply not tolerated. And so when in discussions around white identity or um the white working class particularly white working class boys there is a lack of um objectivity or a lack of reason when it comes Mm. to the way that we talk about these things um and i think that for many of that group the the new left if we, we should call them that um i think that for them the facts don't really matter because it's the narrative it's the it's it's a it's entirely based on emotions and feelings and subjectivity and so there is a not only a lack of tolerance on the other on on, on the the alternative side of the debate there where everybody even if you walk on eggshells you're still going to fall foul of, of of the discussion there's no way around that um, but there's also um, almost an intentional blind spot from their perspective where we can talk about every other identity except, the the identity that they see as being at the top of the pyramid so anything that is at the top of that hierarchy mm. uh, that is is not regarded as as being an oppressed group it's it's not only you ca- that you can't discuss it or you can't speak about it favorably but it's almost as if it doesn't exist at all
0: yes yes um do you think uh that, can we lay a few sort of facts out on the table actually I mean, basically it seems that Uh, and and you please correct me if i'm wrong i'm being very broad here that essentially over the next century white majority or countries that are white majority at the moment will cease to be is that actually something that is verifiable in in as it were projection and fact or is that just a a political view eric
2: well david's written on this too as well but but and i can let him talk about britain but. Certainly for North America, you know, the U.S. and Canada are meant to lose their uh, white majorities around 2050, uh, might be slightly later in Canada and then a, sl- a bit later in Australia. But New Zealand, Canada, U.S., certainly around that time and then towards the end of the century for, for Britain. But, of course, a key question around when we're talking about ethnic majority, which is a community that is united in a belief in common ancestry, there is a capacity for assimilation through intermarriage. So one of the questions, of course, in the U.S. case is, uh, is somebody who is part Hispanic and part European in origin, uh, a lot of those people will identify as white, so it's very hard to pinpoint exactly when this point will arrive. Um, So there's a messiness about about the definition of these groups, a little bit, certain fuzziness around the edges, um, but certainly with existing census categories, I would say mid-century for North America, New Zealand, and later in the century for for Western Europe. David, I don't know your thoughts on that.
0: Yes, David, can you uh, come in there? Certainly. uh,
1: I I agree with what Eric has said. Um, I'm reluctant, though, ever to use the word will in the context of a a population projection, even though it may seem overwhelmingly obvious that what you say will indeed come to pass that numerically speaking, um, uh, white majorities will cease to be majorities sometime uh, in the course of of this century or um, earlier in in the next century, Um, things things do change. Um, Events happen. Uh, Brexit and and the the coronavirus uh, might have an impact on the the migration levels, for example, which drive this process. it, it uh, so far it's having uh, having an effect mostly on on European minorities who, who count as uh, as white. Um, something else might happen in the future, which would which would affect migration um, from um, uh, from countries where, where the population does not identify as white. So I'm, I'm 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 I think it's overwhelmingly likely, but it certainly isn't certain, and it certainly can't be verified uh, unless you, you you can hire a TARDIS uh, and uh, zip off in the 21st century and see what's what's going on there um, um, the point you made about about what you might call ethnic drift is an important one uh, it's it it is indeed uh, driven mostly by 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 intermarriage um but it's 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 also a, a change of identity um comparing uh, some parents and some children Um, Whether it still operates to the same degree, I don't know. But between uh, the census of 2001 and uh, and later, um, there was a tendency for um, the the children of uh, uh, women who who, uh, uh, classed themselves as uh, as mixed, Um, their children were often classified uh, by the parents, of course, because they weren't their only babies at the time, uh, as, um, as white British. Uh, this this trend may reverse if the uh, white British loses its its cachet, which it is rather rapidly at the moment. Um, but th- that that has been the trend in the past.
0: Could you sort of s- speculate? I'm sure you're about to say you don't like to speculate, but we we're having this census now. Um, will, we'll know about. You know what what it reveals maybe later this year early early next year what uh david would you expect to see from this when it comes to ethnicity in for this country what 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 would your general uh idea be do you think about changes that we might see that this might reveal
1: um a, a repeat in a slightly less dramatic way of the shocks which follow the publication of results from the 2011 census Mm -hmm. but that is to say a a, a much more substantial uh, advance of of, uh, ethnic minority populations in major cities in in Britain and and also in other places as well. Um, It may not be as as substantial but I I don't know but migration has been uh, proceeding at a very high level uh, of the order of sometimes over 300,000 net per year. Um, I think the average over the last few years is about 280,000. Um, uh, there was a short time when half of that was from the European Union and half from outside it. Uh, now the, the balance has shifted, uh, especially since Brexit, where the, uh, the, the net migration from uh, the European Union, insofar as we know what migration is nowadays, uh, is, is much reduced. Uh, and uh, that's been more than compensated by an increase from uh, from non-white countries. Uh, and so it may be the situation has, has accelerated, and we will see even even more interesting shocks than, than last time, which illustrates, by the way, uh, the inadequacy of, of, of a census to keep tabs on population change in a 21st century society. It's quite absurd that we haven't shrugged off the census uh, much earlier and gone over to a population register. But there's, as you know, there's there's all all kinds of uh, um, uh, reactionary prejudice against population registers in the English-speaking world. uh, And the expense is likely to deter any action in that direction um, uh, in in the foreseeable future.
0: Uh, Eric, you know, uh, I think one of the shocks that maybe uh, David was referring to there, i can tell me if I'm wrong, but was that, for example, in London, my home city, uh, for the first time uh, ever historically, the white British population was 45 percent. In other words, it was—is that what is known as a minority majority? Or, but it was certainly therefore a minority. Uh, but you see, even though we're saying shock, uh, at the same time it wasn't treated as a shock. It was immediately treated, if I remember, by the media as either something to celebrate, or indeed that well, so what? Should we care? I mean, what, what would you say is the this census will show about London do you think i my my feeling is probably it will show that the white British population has maybe gone down to the thirties? Well, I
2: think it's a bit complicated because of when the census is taking place and and a lot of the East European population will have declined, so maybe the white British share might not have gone down much, but I think the the white share will have dropped, so the white share also dropped, i mean including white European. Uh, that percentage uh, declined, and I think that will be what declines the most in London. Mm. Um, yes. But I think, that, yeah, I, I think the bigger question, of course, is the greater metropolitan, if I had to guess, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to look at the metropolitan London area, including outside the M25, to see if there are pockets of rapid change outside the M25, um, because from the North American experience, you know, we would expect to see something like that occurring, sort of a suburban ring diversifying is something that we've seen a lot of. Mm. Uh, The other thing is, of course, this then leads to, I mean, it feeds very much into the politics of populism and polarization Mm. because, Mm. and and there's been quite a bit of psychological research on this, that some people are innately, I mean, this is 50% heritable, 50% genetic. Some people are innately uh, positive about these kinds of changes. And some are negative about they see these changes as loss and they see diversity and difference as disorder. So you're getting a very sort of split reaction to these sorts of changes. And that's that's feeding a lot of the political divide that we're seeing. And then once you get a reaction to those changes on the populist right, if you like, that then leads to a counter reaction on the uh, sort of identity left. And then you're into a sort of second tier moral polarization are layered in on top of the polarizing reaction to the changes. So it's sort of a uh, it's definitely a recipe for a totally new kind of politics.
0: Um, Emma, you know, carrying on from Eric's point there, uh, you know, I remember that when the point was made about London being minority white British for the first time, uh, there was this I think it was on Newsnight. Um, they, the point was, what well, does this matter? This point was, does this matter? Um, All I can say is that for a lot of people who watch our channel, but I suspect also not just who watch the channel, I think, yeah, it matters a lot, you know. I mean, what's your view on it? It, Because if this was any other country in the world, wouldn't it be a cause Mm -hmm. for some
3: concern? Yeah, I remember going to uh, a talk on the Pew statistics. Um, I think they were from 2015 or 16 on um, demographic changes and religious change and the panel was there was just com- it was completely unanimous um in its agreement that this change was a good thing and i think to pick up on eric's point about uh, people in- innately um i guess you would say feeling particular attachments and not being comfortable with change i think the, the what's missing in the public debate is this is the sympathy for that perspective mm. and the immediate assumption that that um that way of thinking is irrational or in some way immoral. Um, and I think that we would limit the the sort of potential for, as Eric was saying, these particularly polarizing populist movements if we were to give those views a fair hearing because they are rational and i think people really do feel a sense of loss and they don't necessarily feel a sense of loss because they're racist or xenophobic or prejudiced against the incomers but because they see the disruption of their own communities Mm -hmm. and you know people people develop bonds over years and over generations with their neighbors in particular areas and i think the metropolitan elite within london don't Realise that because they are a transient population themselves, um, they are the um, the anywheres of, of yes. uh, David Goodhart, and so I don't think that they really fully understand the perspective of people who feel such so much of an attachment to place and to the population in that place, not on the grounds of ethnicity, but like Eric was saying, on the grounds of um, a, sh- a shared a shared history, um, and I think. As you're we saying about as populations change and people intermarry, um, the particularly anti-British sentiment that is developing within certain aspects of our culture. I think I'm interested to see you know whether people would choose to identify themselves with that history or with the history of the, the, the non-white parent, for example, um, because... British history is being seen as something that's toxic, and in that case, you kind of lose that shared foundation, that sort of um, shared civic attachment that would create a more cohesive, um, cohesive community.
0: Yes, I think I mean the, the point really is, is absolutely right. But where, when people do talk, of course, this is a good—you know, this is a good thing. Huge change, huge ethnic change. Uh, this seems to be something that characterises. The discussion of this thing in the West, and I would say in uh, in kind of the self-hating West, <laughs> you know. Otherwise, I mean, does it does it? Would India have a discussion like this? Would would Russia? Would Saudi Arabia? Eric. Well,
2: um, there are. I mean, there are countries that you know. They're much more blunt about this in in other places. In most cases, you know, in. Yeah. South Africa, you'd have pogroms against—I mean, black-on-black black pogroms. But I mean, I, you know, what I would say is that there is a lack of nuance in this entire debate over ethnic change because the view is you're either open or closed. So it's not a debate about faster or slower. You're either open to change or you're closed to change. If you don't like—if you don't like the speed of change, then you're closed to change. If you, you know, and, and similarly with the idea of majority ethnicity you're either someone who wants some sort of white, pure ethno state and no more change, uh, or you are open. Yeah. So it's sort it's yes, of taking, yes. collapsing it into a black and white dichotomy is the way in which we're having this discussion. Instead of saying, some people want it slower, some want it faster. Maybe we need to slow it down to allow for intermarriage and identity shift to occur. And then if you want, perhaps we'll be comfortable with with a with, uh, uh, speed it up. You know, it, that sort of nuance, or maybe there's an optimal level of diversity, not too much, not too little. No, I mean, you can't be in, you cannot say there is too much diversity or you are again in that closed bad category. So there is just a complete shutdown in logic when we discuss this. I mean, part of this is about a lack of understanding of the psychology, which is again, well-established in the literature that attachment to is not the same as dislike of. So, you know, if I'm really attached to my family, that doesn't, doesn't make me any more disliking of the neighbors than if I'm not attached to my family. Yeah, yeah. And that's been shown in lot, study after study. Um, so yeah, you can be attached to the, your ethnic group, to the character of your neighborhood, etc. If it's changing, you don't like that. It's mainly due to a loss of something you feel you've lost in terms of attachment to, uh, rather than hatred of. And I think those two are collapsed together as well. And that's also a big problem. And I don't know how we get past this in the current moment.
1: I think David Goodhart wrote a brave article for Prospect, um, suggesting like, too much diversity uh, a few years ago. But the views
0: are now, I don't know. But the thing is, with that, actually, he did indeed and got into a lot of trouble for it as well, I think, David. But I mean, I think the, the, the point really is, is that when there is what I think is called or was called super superdiversity, uh, it leads to a breakdown in all sorts of social bonds. Such as trust, you know, amongst yeah. not just intergroup, but actually within different groups. It it's it it public uh, volunteering, for example, becomes less. All of those sort of things tend to happen uh, when you have that much diversity. Um, can I ask? I mean, again, you talk, you mentioned David David Goodhart there. Uh, Christopher Caldwell wrote a book about fifteen years ago uh, called uh, "Reflections on the Revolution in Europe." Which was basically saying, "Can Europe be the same with different people in it? I mean, something that Eric alluded to earlier, which is that this is a seen by most people as a cultural thing, something the elites simply don't understand. They always see it in economic terms. Do you think do you think, David, that Europe can be the same but with different people in it?
1: It, I can just about imagine that it could be. Sometimes uh, I listen to people uh, from uh, of Asian or African or some other kind of background uh, on, on the radio. And uh, I think what uh, admirable people these, these are. Um, they're, 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 they're cleverer than I am. Uh, they speak English better than I do. Um uh, if I if I could uh, if, if I were blind I wouldn't be able to tell what uh, ethnic group they belong to which is different uh, from my own uh, and it, so on those occasions I feel rather optimistic uh, that it wouldn't matter um, but th- th- those those individuals are I, I think only a relatively small minority. Of the of the overall an educated minority of the uh, of the ethnic group populations, uh, and there are there are others, um, um, particularly from uh, fr- from South Asian uh, Muslim backgrounds, um, who are very keen uh, to to remain together and, and who. Um, uh, do not wish to embrace or at least many of whom do not wish to embrace um western attitudes uh in, in from the point of view of 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 tolerance uh, sexual equality and all the rest uh, that they're happy to leave a lead a, a life as it were in in first world uh, safety security and health but one in in in, in a, a more much more traditional uh, cultural world but
0: that has huge implications doesn't it
3: yeah, um, I think that probably the situation has become a lot more complicated since that book was written. Partly because obviously we're talking about uh, uh, concern about cultural change as generations come and go, and you know the population is substantially you know diverse from various different countries, and that it doesn't really have much continuity with the culture that came before. Um, But I think what we're now seeing with this um, new left or left modernism that Eric mentioned earlier, um, I think that has complicated the situation uh, because there isn't very much continuity between that, which is becoming a very prevailing culture amongst um, particular segments of society, particularly influential segments of society. There isn't much continuity between that and what came before. Um, And I think that discourse makes it much more difficult to even discuss any of these issues um and so yeah i think that has muddied the water a lot um because it's a culture that's being taken on by also the white british population in various ways and is kind of seeping into um to the the broader culture and so i think it's just more complicated than it was previously
0: Yes, it's sort of, it, it's very uh, interesting because the fact is something that uh, David mentioned there that, you know, the, the idea was somehow that huge diversity would make society very, very open. But the fact is, is that at least the European uh, experience of it has meant that many of the groups coming are socially very, very conservative uh, or, or religious. And that's had a, a different effect, Eric, is it not? You know?
2: yeah i mean i i myself am less concerned about some of the values that the the challenge to western values that sort of discourse i think that's maybe there may be some of that but i think that ultimately um you know you'll probably get you know individualism and capitalism and democracy will roll on uh, somehow but i think it's much more about the uh, this idea of the narrative of a people could being continued the traditions the memories the the the, the folkways uh yeah. um, that are in some way connected to ancestry and and so if if you have a substantial part of the population that traces their ancestry and collective memories to another part of the the world then that's simply going to mean a less distinctive uh society and a lot of the what we would call the everyday markers of nationhood, the folkways and and, uh, the memories and traditions would tend to erode. Now, of course, you're always going to have super diversity in the cities and and a certain space for the cosmopolitan to exist. Uh, It's a question of balance. And I just feel that that's not where we are. There is no balance. It's really only one is good. And the other is the bad old monocultural past. So how, how we get back into some kind of Respect for the ethnic majority and its tradition, and now it's an assimilative ethnic majority, but it's currently not got any real respect in the high culture. In, in instead, it's completely dominated by left, the left modernist ideal, where diversity is the highest goal. Uh, how we get out of that cul-de-sac, I'm not quite sure. I think it's going to be a bit of a battle. I mean,
1: yes, sorry, David. Sorry. In that context. I'm wondering whether the word uh, English or England would go out um, with with the um, um, with, with the population. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's clear that, that the people who come from all sorts of um, backgrounds, uh, maybe happy to call themselves British, either British straightforward or British hyphenated, black British, Asian British, whatever, um, uh, there's a much greater reluctance to, to call themselves English. And I would guess uh, a greater reluctance on the part of those who can um, logically claim english ancestry to regard them as english uh, and it may be that that that, that word w- w- will become uh w- w- less and less used as as time goes on um, uh, as um the the, the uh, um the white british or white english populations um retreat to the suburbs and then to the country uh, and as, as some some have, have uh, suggested and rather fantastical view of the future, Retreat to the status of, 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 of the hobbits uh, in, in Tolkien's <laughs> book where, where, where when, you know, in, in, in the future, they are going to be a small secretive group of people uh, seldom seen and seldom heard.
3: <laughs> and that's also, um, that's spurred on by this, you mentioned earlier, the sort of self-hatred. If you look at you know what's going on at the moment with various councils and the public space, they want the public space to respect what they say it, the, are the values of the council, the values that we now hold, and they're the values of diversity. And so I think that uh, attitude that has obviously become much more prevalent since the black lives matter protests and the attitude that we have and that we teach towards our history i think that is also accelerating people's reluctance to identify with those (coughs) memories that eric mentioned um, and will disrupt the continuity even if the population didn't change so rapidly because i think people are are, a very it's almost uh, fashionable to disassociate yourself as much as possible. So, even if you look at like the um, recent Adam Curtis documentary, the way that Adam Curtis, in, in it's a you know a huge, hugely popular documentary series, the way that he portrays English folk culture, or even the desire to try and preserve folk culture, he portrays that as almost as if it's fascist to try and preserve it. Um, that as if there's something. Um, wrong and dark about those things. Um, and so I think that th- that cultural aspect will also have a serious, seriously important impact in that sort of continuity of collective memory and how mm. we choose to identify ourselves.
0: I know something that I rather chimes with this is my own parents uh, tended to refer to themselves as British until oh. about the last 10 years of their life. And suddenly they started talking about them themselves as being English and it was very noticeable and I think that that has happened more when people feel that something is being lost you know and and Mm. also if anybody can be British then almost like nobody is but you are English that that was very clear to them what that meant but the only thing I would say
2: though um, Peter is that we're now seeing in the youngest members of the of, say, South Asian groups, a, a, a slightly growing tendency to identify as English, if really? they're in English. Right. I mean, really? it's not large, but it might be 20% or so, uh, whereas right. older generation, it would be in the small single digits. So I don't think it's inconceivable that English, too, could become a sort of more civic kind of identity, in which case the the, the ethnic majority category would then retreat into something like in the U.S. where it's sort of white American, for example. But but I think, um, yeah, I think the, the lack of sympathy for this group really goes back to the origins of left modernist ideology in the uh, sort of 1910s actually in the U.S. when the, uh, Randolph Bourne and some of the uh, bohemian intellectuals who came up with these ideas really urged, they really urged immigrants from, say, you know, Jewish, Italian and other immigrants to retain their culture. So they wanted preservation, but for the exotic immigrant cultures, and they urged the Anglo-Protestant majority of of America to, to to be cosmopolitan and to to slough off its. So ethnicity is great for minorities and for immigrants; it's terrible for the majority, and that's a contradiction. This what I call asymmetrical multiculturalism. And so, for example, you will see in in Canada, where I'm from, for example, I'm mean, a complete romanticization of mm. every myth and memory of say the aboriginal peoples of immigrant pe- populations and the complete opposite for any tradition of the kind of anglo-majority mean, so this is sort of a standard uh contradiction that's embedded at the heart of this ideology and there's really no way around it i mean you can't and, and it's very interesting because i think there was a piece in the london review of books of some writer went out to the east end and found some fourth generation east end woman and was was talking about it and until she started talking about immigrants and, and loss and suddenly he realized and he admitted it, he, he realized that actually there's a contradiction in his belief system which was about exoticizing authenticity except when it's your own and then you sort of reject it right so it's kind of a really um schizophrenic kind of ideology that 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 we've we've arrived at and i don't know how we we get out of this really
0: I think it's uh, that you, you could actually say that that is a, almost many people say that's the basis of multiculturalism that actually multiculturalism was about celebrating almost any you know culture but not the host culture
3: I think multiculturalism mm. as well though I I don't I think it arose as a as a coping mechanism to deal with demographic change in the first place mm. and so in that sense I think that may, perhaps that is one reason why the majority is kind of excluded from it Um, and now that we have all of these new ideas that basically believe that whiteness in anything western or anything western or male is bad um, and evil or has the potential for violence and you know the ideas of systemic whiteness and white supremacy being baked into the fabric of society that's where things are at now but i think that when multiculturalism first arose it basically arose as a coping mechanism to deal with mass migration in the first place as some kind of way of managing it with because we didn't have the confidence to say you must integrate into the culture that is already here
0: well actually it's interesting if you look at old newsreels from the the first waves of immigration into Britain, uh, they were remarkable, na- almost naively sweet and welcoming. You know, there were these people telling the new immigrants, "Oh, these are our songs and this is how you sing them. And 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 at the time, probably that was seen as terribly kind of, you know, it's sort exactly of... Exactly imp- what Meghan
3: Marker wanted. <laughs> yes,
0: imperialistic and all the rest. But now you look back and you think, well, actually, they were trying to welcome. And, and also, this was sort of a way of kind of integrating. Um, just to finally, I'd like to ask, you know, what is the end game of this? I mean, when you say diversity is the main value, it's odd how diversity can be a value. It seems to me diversity is a thing. It's not a value as such. But anyway, they say diversity is the ultimate thing. When will we reach the point where everyone's happy? Or, you know, when is, what is the end point of diversity, David?
1: I think that boredom and annoyance... Uh, may have something to, 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 to do with, with this. Uh, you mentioned earlier on um, the, the role of Black Lives Matter in, in, in um, a- accelerating and accentuating um, racial consciousness and uh, um, elevating um, the sin of anti uh, racism to an even higher level of wickedness than previously it occupied, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, um, on top of that, you've got, you, you've got the Meghan and Harry business uh, and there's been, I think, a considerable uh, backlash I- in Britain to that, uh, partly as a consequence of what they themselves said, uh, and partly because of the, of the, I think, very unthinking endorsement, which many of must have read about, uh, from lots of people overseas, from the President of the United States downwards. Mm. Um, and I wonder, in, in that context, if it's possible to reach, as it were, peak anti-racism, um, uh, and, and uh, um, to, to reach a position where the positions adopted are, are so unsustainable and so absurd, so annoying, um, that, that, uh, that a, 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 last, a last ditch uh, successful um, um, rebellion, as it were, is, is possible in terms of the media and the things that people feel able to say.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to see, uh, you know, of course, we look at the wokeness uh, and, and the cancel culture and all these phenomena. Um, my own view is that that these attitudes were have been there for, for decades in the high culture. And actually what's new in some ways is the pushback. And we don't even realize it maybe because we're, we're part of it. But if you look at the number of organizations that have sprung up to oppose cancel culture, the the Harper's letter and the Heterodox Academy and uh, Free Speech Union and and the the rise of this issue into politics in a way that wasn't tr- as true of political correctness when it came on the scene in the early 1990s, it did not make its way into politics the way it's it's made its way into politics now, where you've got the Trump administration going after critical race theory. You've, you, and that is now a major campaign at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've now got more attention being paid to uh, media bias, to to what's happening in the universities. This is now a, a major political issue. And I think it's only going to become a bigger political issue in a way that we haven't seen before. So I think we're headed for a, a greater politicization of these cultural issues. And, and only through that are we going to get back to some kind of sanity, I think.
1: Yes, so, to, you well said. So,
3: Comment yeah anyway. I, I i agree it's bleak though isn't it <laughs> um I, we're gonna have to walk through the fire to get to the other side right
0: well on that note uh, look thank you very very much thank you david thank you eric thank you very much uh don't forget to fill out your census form um i think that actually it's the 21st of march it's uh, when it is yes indeed where you actually basically have to uh put down who is in your house at the time um so there we go anyway this is a subject we will return to uh certainly by the end of the year thank you very much indeed thank you